0: In this episode of The Ziegler Show, we hear a clip from Zig Ziegler advocating personal discipline, and I asked our audience, are you satisfied with your level of personal discipline? Unlike most of my survey questions, the results were equally distributed between no, decent, and yes. Tom Ziegler and I talked through some comments and offer paradigm shifts on how we perceive and embrace the concept of personal discipline. Welcome, everyone. I'm Kevin Miller, and this is The Ziggler Show, where our focus is increasing your performance in your personal and professional life, drawing straight from the legacy of one of the most inspiring leaders of our age, Zig Ziggler. This is the weekly Q&A episode I do with my co-host and the CEO of Ziggler, Tom Ziggler. In these Q&A shows, I often play a short clip from Zig Ziggler, or I'll take a hot topic and post it to the Ziggler audience. From the responses, we get some of the most poignant and relevant input into the realities of walking out personal and professional development and growth in the real world and current circumstances of life. I invite you to join us in these weekly discussions. Find us on Facebook at Kevin Miller CO. No one listening to this show is unaware of the concept of personal discipline. We tend to think of ourselves and others as either disciplined or not. When in truth, it's really a fallacy. Nearly everyone is disciplined in various areas of our lives, which we're going to talk about here. Though maybe not the areas that gain the most spotlight and glory. Tom Ziegler and I talked through a lot of the comments as it helped give different perspectives to the concept of discipline. And as you're going to hear, however, I give a lot of focus to the danger of believing yourself to not be disciplined. And again, question whether this is actually true. We cover at length, the errancy in relying solely on our self-discipline when we're far better off, better served to create environments where we do not need to rely on our self-discipline. So next we're going to kick off with a four minute clip from Zig Ziglar, then get into your comments. I'm a foodie and I enjoy learning about the process that brings great foods and beverages from idea to the table. And then I like tasting them and learning the nuances of what creates the most significant tastes from coffee to cheese to distilled beverages. I did a tequila tasting in Mexico and recently bourbon, Heaven Hill Bottled in Bond Bourbon. It really impressed me from the story to the taste. I grew up in Kentucky where horse racing and bourbon are famous, and I got introduced to Heaven Hill Bottled in Bond Bourbon. It's produced by Heaven Hill Distillery, which has been and still remains family owned since 1935. And
2: Number five, to reach your goals, you got to have that daily disciplined accountability. Now, that's the thing that's so important. The United States Marines, 175 former Marines, are the CEOs of the Fortune 500 companies. 26 of our presidents served in the military. One of the things they teach in the military, of course, is discipline and commitment. They really do go together. Now, let me give you a little story, a little personal example to emphasize a point. Exceptions are the things that will kill you. I got a close friend, most positive man I've ever known in my life. His name is Bernie Leipzig. He had quit smoking for five years. And then one day he said, well, you know, it smells so good and one won't hurt. It took him five years more to get off permanently, and the last time he quit uh, was about 15 years ago. I'm telling you, don't make the exception. The alcoholic, and this is one of the things that just absolutely infuriated me several years ago, some of the psychiatrists uh, said that some alcoholics under certain conditions could go back and have a social drink. That borders on insanity. Why gamble something like that? I have seen so many cases where a person was sober for a number of years, took that one drink, you know, just a glass of wine, or this one beer is not going to hurt anything, and they were back off to the races. Watch those exceptions. I spoke one day in Seattle, Washington. I left Dallas that morning. I flew all the way to Seattle. I spoke. I flew back. To Dallas. When I got home, by the time I'd, uh, you know, collected all my stuff, got ready to hop in bed, it was 4 o'clock in the morning. Now, my clock was set to get up at 5.30. Well, folks, I am here to tell you uh, that uh, it didn't take me long to figure out that's one hour and a half. I don't need to tell you uh, that 90 minutes of sleep is not near about enough. Now, the clock was already set for 5.30, but as I sat there on the side of the bed, I got to tell you, I debated, do I pull the plug and get up at 5.30 or do I sleep in? Be smart, Ziegler, sleep in. Every fiber of my being said, don't get up at 5.30. But then I got to tell you, I'd made a commitment. I pulled the plug. I got up at 5.30. I did my jogging. Had an absolutely miserable jog had an absolutely horrible day I was not nearly as productive that day as I normally am didn't feel good all day long I got to tell you I was in bed that night at 8 o'clock and yet I am going to tell you that one of the most important decisions I've ever made in my life was that I got up the next morning at 530 and let me tell you why I consider it the most important for this reason had I bowed to my human, uh, physical, emotional, mental desire to sleep in, I would have made that exception. A week later, I might have made an exception uh, and uh, if I was only going to get four hours sleep. A week later, maybe if I only had gotten seven hours of sleep or whatever. And the exception so many times becomes the rule. Now, had I slept in, uh, I faced that danger. I'm here to tell you folks, watch those exceptions. Do you never make an exception, Z? Yes, on occasion you do. But the instant you make that exception, uh, be completely aware of it, write it down in that performance planner and write yourself a little note. Watch out. Because that is a danger signal. That daily discipline accountability of every day working that performance planner can make a difference.
0: Tom, I'll put that question to you then. When you think about discipline overall, and you, you were just talking to me about the Ziggler Wheel of Life. You know, do you overall feel satisfied with your level of self-discipline?
1: Oh, you know, this is the goal setting time of year. Mm -hmm. And uh, when people say, well, when I set a goal, what should my deadline be? And I say it should be realistically aggressive, meaning, meaning, hey, it's 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 the right amount of time, but I got to start today. (laughs) And so when I look at my different parts of my life about discipline, it's like some of them are very disciplined. Some of them are kind of in the middle and some of them I'm kind of embarrassed about likewise uh, <clears throat> you know and it's and it revolves too it's not like there's one spoke that's always just the zero you know what I mean it's like for my, when it comes for discipline it goes up and down and up and down it seasons of life mm-hmm. uh, so I think it's a pretty common challenge and you know we were talking about this and one of our uh, speakers jose garcia ponte you know the question was well what do you do when that happens and he made this great quote he said i go run on the beach and reevaluate my why yeah and so i think the why you know discipline gets you to your why and i think sometimes our discipline isn't as supercharged because we've lost a little bit of clarity or we've had some things come in so
0: well and i think we'll hit on that I think we'll hit on that today. Uh, yeah, th- yeah as, you, as you know, there's some points that we want to hit, and I think it'll come out. Let me jump in, and we did segment these into the people who said no, those who said, you know, uh, it's okay, but room for improvement, and those who said, yeah, I'm, I'm, pretty, I'm pretty good. So I think it'll pull out some of the key topics I want to hit on because, you know, as you said, I think most people have areas where they are disciplined, and then they have areas that they are not, and they can take those, depending on what they are, and perceive themselves as undisciplined, which I think is a dangerous place to be. And yet I know some people who we would applaud and hold up as mega disciplined people who I've gotten to know just like you and not to demean them at all, but to say, gosh, they are, they're hugely disciplined in this area. They've gotten great acclaim, but we can look over here and, and see that they're very undisciplined in other areas of life. And we see that sometimes when they have a big fall and you see somebody who's got great acclaim and they fall financially or relationally or spiritually or wherever, someplace where they had little to no discipline. So that's, we'll throw that, throw that around or, or discuss, talk around that as we go through these. But I mean, I had a lot of people. This was really, I did not add them up, Tom, but it was pretty segmented between the three. There wasn't some overwhelming... And I, you know, cause you would think, okay, we're talking to this audience. This is, as I always talk about the, the aspiring, you know, Ziegler audience and that most of these people are it has about a third, a third, a third of just, no, I am not. I'm, I'm okay. And, and yes. So, you know, here knows I mean, Marty Winger, no Thomas Zelensky, no Heath Falk, no Katarzyna Jenner, no Bill McConnell, never Jim Smith. No, uh, Che Murphy, absolutely not. I'm just all talk and thought. Action for a couple days, then I fall off. I feel sad and mad about it. Vicious cycle continues. I'm praying and planning differently these days. I've gotten a little better, inch by inch for me. Jessica Pearson, uh, if we could perfectly discipline ourselves, we wouldn't need Jesus. Therefore, the answer will always be no. I'm not satisfied with my personal level of discipline. I ebb and flow from great to poor on each section of the Ziegler wheel of life. Kyle Harper, not at all. When I put my finger over one leak, another springs up. Timothy Driver, no, I want to grow and get things done. I always tend to come up with excuses and say it won't happen again, and then I do it again. It's very you know, frustrating. Lori Sellers, I am not. Too often I settle for what I want now rather than pushing towards my ultimate goals. With just a bit more personal discipline, I could accomplish great things. And Jimmy Ziegler, who you know, he says, not as much as I would like, but it's something that I'm aware of. And I'm making a conscious effort to be more disciplined every day. Well, most days point is I'm trying to be more disciplined about being disciplined and I can always use some advice. So you talked as we were chatting before this to the people who really say no. I mean, they're obviously here. They're listening. They're not over here listening to NPRs, you know, crime scene or some uh, entertainment bubblegum. Podcast. They're listening to the Ziggler show. They want to aspire to more. And yet they view themselves as, I mean, again, so many people that just flat out said, no, not at all. I kind of question that, but what are your thoughts?
1: I think it's, you know, everybody has a different perspective on what discipline means. Um, I bet most of the people who said they're not disciplined are they're probably on time for their meetings. They probably fulfill their work obligations they're probably got some good, solid family relationships. They're trustworthy. They can do. Well, those are all signs of discipline, right? Because a pure lack of discipline would would crater just about everything in your life. Um, but we tend to judge ourselves from a discipline perspective on, hey, you know what? Did I did I write three pages in my book today? I mean, that's the discipline I'm going through right now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah,
0: I get that one. because
1: I'm work. I'm working on this book, and it's like, oh man, you know, I I, I, I thought about it a lot, but but I didn't pump out the three pages, uh, and so I would give myself a five out of ten at best on the discipline in that in that one area. So it's it you know it, it goes back and forth, and and so we got to be very realistic about what it is. Uh, I loved one of the comments in here, uh, Kalen. Solomon said, uh, no, I'm not, but how does one be more disciplined <laughs> yeah. to become more disciplined?
0: I, yeah, I miss that one. That's funny.
1: I know it's good. It's, it's like the irony in the word non hyphenated. Uh, <laughs> it's, yeah. it doesn't, doesn't make sense. And so, you know, there's been so much research done on how do you become more disciplined and really it's, it's choices and habits, um, and there are different things you can do, different tactics that you can do. And I think it, it ultimately it, it just requires work. And uh, who was the author that said, you know, willpower is not the answer.
0: <laughs> yeah. So Ben Hardy, and I want to, thanks. I wanted to pull him out. I just had him, Tom. I, so he's been on the Ziggler show twice, but I had him on my new motive podcast in episode 15, because he talked about going from this playing video games all day long and comes out of high school. He has no skills, no desires, no work ethic, no, no cares, nothing, just nothing. How did he go from that to now he's whipping out six figure book deals with impacting information that I'm having him on the show. And he talked about, you know, how he developed some, you know, some discipline in that. But yeah, that's the point of his book uh, willpower doesn't work, which my gosh, I highly encourage. And, he, and we actually talked about that in Ziegler episode 552. But he talks about that we always willpower, and I think you can put discipline in there discipline slash willpower. And we look at that in the personal development world and say, man, you've got to be disciplined. You've got to have willpower. But as I was laughing with you about, you know, my willpower, now I do exert, exert a little bit. I'm at the grocery store, I'll be there today at some point. And, uh, I will have the willpower not to go down the candy aisle and I will not buy M&Ms. Not a big deal. Not a whole lot of willpower. It's, especially if I've eaten and I'm not hungry, you know, uh, not a whole lot of willpower. And so tonight at nine o'clock, if I'm watching a Friday night movie with my family and I get that hankering for something sweet, I will have to exert zero discipline and willpower to not eat M&Ms because there's none in the house. And that's really a great culmination of his whole book. Willpower doesn't work. So create an environment where you don't have to rely on that. Now that's hard if I'm here at work thinking I need to go for a run. Uh, You know, that's a different one, but even my wife, man, she's benefited from COVID dramatically. Her life has changed. She is She does not like to go to bed early. She does not like to get up early. And that's been her life uh, for the most part with COVID. Thanks to COVID, honestly, her gym, it initially closed, but then it opened up and they can only have a limited amount of people in there. So she has to sign up ahead of time to get a spot in her class that she wants to take. Once she has that spot, it means one of her friends can't get in ultimately. At some point, they're gonna max out at 20 or whatever it is, and they can't get in. So when her alarm clock comes up, Comes on, which she's never used an alarm uh, clock a whole lot early in the morning. And when she does, she snoozes it a lot. Now she puts it in the bathroom. She has to get up, go in there, and uh, and turn the thing off. So she's done that. And she realizes in the moment, oh, my gosh, I don't want to go. All the excuses come up. But then she feels some guilt or some pressure, let's call it some good, healthy accountability to, Hey, I signed up. I kept somebody else out of it. I've got to go. And she's going almost every day now. And she'll take one or two classes. It has changed her life in the evening now because she's uh, up early. She's tired. So she's going to bed earlier than she ever has. And she's, she's liking it overall, but it took that, uh, something beyond just her discipline to do it accountability. Um, you know, again, an environmental construct, I love it, Tom. I've been, that's why I talk about Benjamin Hardy so often, because I love that because it so takes the pressure off every day. We got to grit our teeth and have this discipline to do all these things. Instead, he says, no, create an environment to where it's not all on you.
1: I think today, and we talk a lot about this, that our number one enemy is distraction, And for those who already kind of have the squirrel look, squirrel um, minds, not mindset, but just the way we're wired, where we're easily distracted. That's one of the biggest keys is, you know, how do you discipline yourself to be more disciplined? Creating the environment that allows your priorities to happen is the first step. And so that means turning off your phone, leaving it in the other room, taking your computer uh, notifications off, whatever you're doing, you're creating the environment that allows you to be productive, to work on the things that you've decided in advance you're gonna do it. And then you've you've gotta prepare physically as well, which means you've gotta get enough sleep the night before, you've gotta fuel your body in the right way, you've gotta do, the exercise and all those things that create the energy that allow you to do it. And yeah. and, and so for some people who are very disciplined in their exercise, uh, they may not be disciplined in their sleep or vice versa. And so you're getting a win and then you're, you're getting a loss, right? You're kind of like mm-hmm. those two things are bouncing out. And so then when you have to be productive and get something done that takes mental clarity and focus, you don't have what you need. And so it's setting the environment. It's setting the stage that allows you to get those other things done. Um, Yeah. Who who is the current, uh, who's the guy who runs Apple today?
0: Uh, Yep. I can see his face. Can't remember his name.
1: All right. So every podcast listener but me and you know his name. Yeah. I I think he gets up at 3 in the morning or 2.30 in the morning. Tim Cook. Tim Cook. You're faster on the Google than I am. Yeah, so I think he gets up at 2.30 or 3 in the morning uh, to do his workout, to get his nutrition, to do his routine, to get the day set. And, you know, people talk about him being a superhuman. I think what it is 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 he has learned how to prioritize and maximize his time.
0: Yeah. Well, it's impressive as long as he's getting enough sleep uh, in my book. Sometimes I to
1: better... He goes to bed early. Yeah,
0: if if he's getting enough getting enough sleep. Well, I mean, you talked about that a second ago. So, you know, you take exercise, sleep, nutrition. I am very disciplined. I am very confident and comfortable and proud of my discipline there. But my gosh, being like you talked about that, being on time for appointments. Man, I, I struggle with that fulfilling my work on time, and not to the last minute. I struggle with that distractions. Man, I'm looking for distractions. I enjoy even if I've got the work of my life. I enjoy. I'm looking for squirrels in my productivity and efficiency. And those are areas where I am not disciplined. My finances not disciplined. My relationships some. Um, I'm, I have some areas of discipline. I'm good with some areas. Uh, that I'm not, I think my wife would agree, you know, with the family overall, I am when it comes to some of the stuff with her of taking time for planning things that she likes. Oh my goodness, I don't like it and I'm not disciplined with it and yada yada. So, you know, the thing that I think burdens me or concerns me the most here, Tom, is just the self image aspect for these folks who think of themselves as not having discipline. And I'm tempted to say this is an exercise that Zig talks about in, in one of his uh, one of his presentations of going through. Oh, I know he does it with the guy who up- upholds his boss right? His boss, who's kind of a workaholic guy. And he says, let's talk about him. Is he really successful? Do you really want to emulate that? And he has the, the guy go through the Ziggler wheel of life and ask him about his boss. Is he success, successful here? You know, finances? Yes. Career? Yes. Relationships? No. You know, mental aspects? So, so, you know, how about, and he has these areas and ultimately the guy sees, I wouldn't want to be like that. But in that same frame of mind for us all, for these folks who said no, to go through the Ziggler wheel of life, just type it in, Google, you'll find multiple copies of it and go through and rate yourself. And I would, I'm interested to know, you know, to to see, I bet they'd find some areas where they'd realize, gosh, I am really disciplined. And when you talk about that areas of responsibility and maintenance and consistency, those don't get the limelight. The big success gets the limelight often at the cost of everything else doesn't mean that person's disciplined overall. They're disciplined in one key area. How many athletes, celebrities, speakers, authors, experts do we know who are incredibly disciplined in their craft, knock it out of the park, sell a million copies, make millions of dollars. And the, consequence, the, the collateral damage where they're not disciplined is dramatic. I mean, that's, that, that's a story as old as time that we see. That. And yet they get billed as disciplined. And the person over here with a very you know, consistent well-managed, well-maintained, responsible life who I look at and go, my gosh, that's a lot of discipline that I don't have. They don't get the billing. So I think there's some myth at work here. I would challenge these people to go through and work it out and see: are you really not disciplined? And see if you can get to a place of being a little more proud of the discipline in your life. Because being at a place where you think of yourself as not disciplined is a vicious negative cycle. You are listening to The Ziegler Show in this episode on personal discipline. Next, Tom talks about the block that many people have on starting a goals process at all. And his counsel is just to start with one goal. So we'll be right back after I share some great resources with you.
1: You know, you just mentioned the Wheel of Life. We do have a free download. You can go to Ziggler.com forward slash choose to win and you can get that download. You can do the wheel Uh, We actually have the Ziegler goal setting system procedure chart there that'll walk you through your goals. And we're talking about discipline. We have the self-talk card there as well. So all of those are on that page at Ziegler.com forward slash choose to win. And and I think, you know, one of the disciplines when we have this performance planner, which is the goal setting guide that so many people love. And a big percentage of people buy that and they look at it and they never start. Mm -hmm. And they're like, I don't know where to start. What should be my first goal? And I tell them, your first goal should be to work on your first goal, and that's it. And so they're like, yeah, but you're supposed to keep track of four goals. And I'm like, that's yours. No, just start with one.
0: Most of today, you will be indoors, likely your home or your office. I am as well. Even with my treks out into the woods, I spend a lot of time inside. And we're going to take about 20,000 breaths, according to the EPA which is an additional $84 value. So to get this special offer, go to dot com. Use promo code Kevin, airdoctorpro.com, promo code Kevin.
1: What I've discovered, you know, interviewing and you have too, you know, hundreds and hundreds of experts in all these different categories is like nobody woke up one day and decided they were going to master these five disciplines simultaneously. Yeah. <laughs> right. yeah. Or they were going to they were going to go achieve these five different goals at the same time. What they did is they got a passion for one. They started getting the 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 figuring out the system of how they can get that, the priorities and how they made decisions around it, and so they got pretty good at doing that. And they're like, "Oh wait, I need to do more of this." And so they applied what they learned on the first one to the second one. Yeah, and it just kind of grew from there. Uh, Dad, you know, we, we talk about that for over thirty years, probably closer to fifty years. He spent three hours a day reading and researching and studying and doing all this development, internalizing it. He, he didn't start off that way. I mean, I, I know, I mean, he was just like all of us in our twenties and thirties, right? I mean, he knew what he wanted, uh, but your, your typical 20 year old, isn't going to go, you know, get up at four thirty and spend the first three hours of the day reading and researching and then go do life. Yeah. But he did at an early age, start spending a little bit of time and that just grew. And so I think one of the keys to discipline is we develop the self-talk that says, you know, like I say, I'm getting fitter and fitter every day in every way. You could say, Hey, I'm, I'm getting more disciplined every day in every way. Mm -hmm. And so when we start saying that, then the story we tell ourselves, we start to believe it. And our subconscious mind enters in and says, "Okay, uh, you've got you've got a choice here, the disciplined or the undisciplined one. Whereas before, we don't even ask ourselves that question. We just do what we want.
0: Yeah. Yes. Uh, You know, this is. Well, let's get into that again. Let's get into that more. Let's get into it deeper, Tom. You know, under the room for improvement, we did have so many people who said that. Renee Vider, Jamie McClellan, Brian Gross, Laurie Surchik, Leslie Alaya, Patrick Kotenberg, Danny Mullen, Fred Nort. I mean, I could always use a little more. I have room to grow. I have room to grow, but I'm not going to beat myself up. It's a work in progress. I definitely could be better in some areas like food and exercise. Always room you know, for improvement. I mean, granted, I, I hope nobody in that scenario would get to a point of saying, yes, I am 100% self-disciplined. I don't know if anybody's that way. I don't know if David Goggins would say that he's hundred percent, you know, self, uh, completely self disciplined We've always got room to grow, but you know, and another aspect of this, let's, 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 let me throw this out at you, Tom. There are some areas I mentioned finances. I am, I do not think of myself as disciplined in those areas and yet they do happen and they, they are in a healthy place because I've delegated them. And that's not just about money. Obviously, if I am spending money, I've got a CPA, I've got a bookkeeper, I've got people helping with that so that I'm getting the results. So to look at all the areas of the Ziggler Wheel of Life and say, okay, for success, I have to become disciplined fully in each area. Uh, It's semantics somewhat. Maybe I'm disciplined to delegate and I can claim that, but I'm still not disciplined. I, I just respond. I, I just, I just react, I should say to my bookkeeper CPA. And they say, Hey, if I need, if they need something, they tell me, and I try to you know, take care of that for them and they'll hound me for it. But for the most part, they are doing it. So have I become disciplined in finances? My perspective is, is no, but it's not a negative. Oh, I'm so undisciplined. I have gotten it taken care of. My wife loves the fact that at the end of the year, our taxes get done every year, finally, because somebody else is doing them. It's not us. It's not me. I'm not late on my payments. Even if there's money in the bank, I'm not late on my IRS quarterly payments because my bookkeeper does it. And I just see it in my bank account. She doesn't even tell me anymore. She just makes the payments. Now, again, if somebody hears that and go, well, that's great for you. You know, you've got, you may have the income to do that. Boy, you know, there's, there's so many options to get help. I mean, if you have skill in one area, if I didn't have that, man, I could look and say, Hey, I'll help you with your, I'll help you with exercise and nutrition. You help me with my finances. Let's barter. You know, what are some options that we can do? (laughs) But my point being, you know, do we have to be, this is like being an entrepreneur and saying, I have to be completely able in every area of my business. Well, as you know, that's not possible. I just had. Goodness. Well, I'm not sure. I'm not sure what episode it'll be. And it may not be published as when this publishes, but just had, uh, Charles, uh, Coke on the show. I don't even know if I told you that Tom 18th wealthiest man on the planet or person on planet earth had him on the show. And he talked so much about his very narrow area of competence. He mentioned it like three different times. It was really interesting, very narrow area of competence, but he gets other people To take care of the areas that he's not not competent in. Well, that's classic business. That's what you and Howard Partridge teach in business is excel in your area of competency and get help otherwise. So here we are in our lives and we've got the Ziggler wheel of life and I have to be fully disciplined and perfected in each area. And my thought is, and we can push this around a little, Tom, is no, you want to get the result. And if I can get the result of financial excellence, and discipline in my life by delegating and I still get the end result. Do I get credit for that or do I get, do I get dinged because I'm not personally really self disciplined in that area? What do you think?
1: This is just pinging so many things in my mind and and I'm going to, I'm going to go to a very foundational principle level uh, in what you just said and how it applies to everything. And I'm going to, I'm a connector, so I'm going to connect three or four things. I read a book, Uh, And it was talking about what makes leaders great leaders. Mm -hmm. And one of the interesting things is that leaders come from all different personality styles and types. But the great leaders have one common thread, and that is they all know their blind spot. Mm -hmm. And so if they're really good at this and they're weak at that, they are very aware of their blind spot, and then they recruit and hire people far better than them in their blind spot, and they trust them. They lead them on character and integrity and the things that build a relationship, trust, those kind of things, and then they let them do their job. And so what you just said about finances... That's exactly what we're talking about. You look at your spectrum, your gifting. What am I really good at? I've got a blind spot in finances. And so you have the discipline to bring someone in who that's their gifting, right? Now, you still own it. You still have to understand it. But do you have to do the work and make sure it gets done on time? No, you just got to get them the, the paperwork yeah. by the deadline they give you. So in the uh, one of the themes of the Old Testament is it never says go and do good. It always says stop doing evil Mm. and then go and do good. And so I think one of the ways that we can do inventory in our life is, is we look at that wheel of life. We look at our disciplines, some of the things that you know, naturally come easier to us and some of the things which are more difficult to us. And then we have to analyze what are the things that we are doing that are sabotaging that area. And you mentioned it perfectly. You know, you know you, and you know you on Friday night after a good week at home with the family watching a movie, dinner is about an hour and a half in your rear view mirror. The sweet tooth is going to hit. And so discipline and willpower isn't resisting the candy that's in, you know, in the cupboard. Yeah. Discipline and willpower in that situation is I'm not bringing it home. Mm-hmm. You know, like I, I, tease, I say all the time, my body retains popcorn. <laughs> you know, yeah. dad, dad said his body retained ice cream, yeah. right? And so that's another way of stop digging the hole, stop sinning and do good. You know, Dave Ramsey says the first key to getting out of debt is cutting up the credit cards. Yeah. Right. And then we get the emergency fund in place. Well, what's he really talking about? Behaviorally, we stop digging the hole. So this is what we know people who achieve what they want, right? When they when they say, gosh, I really wish you paint in the picture. What do you want? You know, is it a health goal? Is it a career goal? Is it a relationship goal? One of the things that is so common is they write it down in detail. They work on it daily, but here's the big one. They get an accountability partner. Yeah. And so your financial expert is really your accountability partner in that area of your life. And I've also discovered this, and this is an interesting thing, and i talk about it in the book, Choose to Win. I was at an event, and the this young guy came up, he was late twenties. He had three kids. He was making good money had a good it job. And he's and and it. And he was like, you know, I, I have these plans and these goals, uh, and I get started on it. And then three days later, I'm staying up all night binging, doing, you know, video games. Right. And how do I stop that? And so I said, A, B, and C, and he said, well, I'll do that, but I know me three, you know, I'll do that for three days and then I'll be playing video games all night. And so I said, well, well, how much, if if you did and followed through on that goal that you have, can you put a monetary value on it? And he said, oh yeah, I can. I said, how much is it? And he, he said, it's a lot. I said, more than 10,000. He said, yeah. I said, more than 50,000. He said, yeah, it's a lot. And so here's somebody very smart, who knows that video games are costing him 50 grand or more. Right? I said, well, I've got a plan for you. I said, uh, it takes about 90 days, you know, 66 days, whatever you wanna do to develop a habit, I'll do a deal with you. I believe that if you work on this plan every day for 66 days or longer, that it will become a habit and you will have a new lease on life And here's the deal. You pay me ten thousand dollars today, and then every day you're gonna you're gonna send me a photo of your updated performance planner as you record what it is you're doing in your goals, how much time you spent working on it. And if you do that every day for sixty six days, I'll give you your money back. I said, Do you think it'll work? He said, Absolutely that'll work. I said you're going to write me a check? He said, absolutely not. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And so what does that really prove? It proves that the, the fear of loss is often more motivating than the hope of gain. Yeah. And I think when, when we think of accountability and this is why coaching is so powerful because if you go out and you get the right coach and you, you invest in it, right. And so it could be, it could be a trainer at the gym. It can be a health coach. It can be a career coach. It doesn't matter. A life coach. When you invest that kind of money in it and then you have an accountability, you're getting that one, two punch.
0: Yeah.
1: And that's when change starts to happen. And you build these, these are muscles. These are muscles.
0: Yeah. Again, the environmental uh, environment, and the accountability is strong because you're talking about you know, M&Ms. I'm also, uh, so I don't buy those, but I'm also for kind of an unforeseen, at least for six weeks, um, but maybe an unforeseen, I, I'm not doing any any wine. I love my wine. I I think that there's, you know, there's benefits they talk about for a glass of wine, but it was just kind of one of those things of, do I control it or does it control me? Let's just stop. So I'm not doing that now. I still have, I've got some bottles I've been hoarding for years in my house. So they're there. Uh, it's not a huge tempter to me, but I also told my family they all know that. Hey, I'm not, I'm not doing that because I'm not doing some other stuff too. I have a whole list of, of some things I'm abstaining for, for for a while. And they know that. So I'm going to sit down in the evening and it would be so disappointing for them to me, for them to see me not be able to stay on it. So the accountability is, is so key. So we've got the environment, not setting it up for failure, but also the accountability is such a strong one to do. And so, yeah, that with this aspect of Discipline. I think that we have just gone awry thinking we all have to be the Navy SEAL, the whoever you want to applaud up there who you look at as super self disciplined. That I see so many of the people who get the best results that are not in that limelight of self discipline, but they get the results because they don't set themselves up for failure and they do set themselves up. Success again, that environment and accountability have got to be two of the strongest things. That I think, to some degree, Tom, how much discipline would I have if I, um, gosh, you know what? Uh, Let's be candid here. How can I do this anonymously, um, without even historically? In my past, there was someone who I was close with, a guy who I was close with, and at a certain point, we were on a trip together. And it wasn't a total surprise to me but he divulged that he had had more than one uh, affair and at the time i knew his lifestyle and i looked at what he did it was in you know he was in a big city he was very infamous in his arena um he made a lot of money good looking guy worked in a high rise he's he's, in, he's he's with all the beautiful people And I told him, I said, man, if I did what you did, if I lived in the way that you did and you end up out at these business dinners just by yourself, you've got, you know, your wife's at home with your kid and you're there with these beautiful people and it's very, uh, intoxicating environment. So, man, that's dangerous for anyone. I, I, I'm so grateful that that's not my life because I don't, that's one less thing to worry about for me. I, I, I live in a bubble compared to that. The things that we expose ourselves to is so powerful. I mean, that's, again, an environmental thing. There's so many temptations and things that we can get out of our lives. There's, you know, there's ways to do that. We have the internet these days. There's such a temptation to go down bad roads these days. There's, there's ways to do that. It's hard, very difficult to say, okay, I'm just not going to do the internet. It's very difficult in our day and age uh, today, but there are things that you can do. I've got myself and my family on covenant eyes, Uh, it's a, an accountability software. Ultimately it doesn't limit. I think it does have limiting things. It doesn't limit where you can go, but it, uh, reports on where you go. If there's anything that looks uh, sketchy, I should say, or, or it's, a, and, and, and there's sometimes you'll go and go, gosh, no, that was a, you know, photo, uh, like a photo stock photo thing, you know, go to iStock photo or something like that. And it may flag it a little bit. Well, here's what I went to get, but it keeps you accountable. I mean, there's so many things that we can do to set ourselves up again for that environmental safeguarding and the accountability safeguarding that doesn't leave us in and of ourselves solely reliant on whatever level of discipline or motivation or accountability we may or may not have. And before the show, Tom, you talked about that, you know, motive. What's, you know what, let me read a couple of the yeses and then let's talk about that because you brought that up here. Laura Rayburn, she says uh, i 've realized i 'm very disciplined in some things, very little in others and this is interesting. Laura last year shoot I wish I had her stats in front of me so we 're on stra she 's on uh, Strava, which is a kind of a, kind of an athlete app that reports there. I've known her for a long, a long, many, many years. And she is a big runner. I mean, she'll do, uh, she hardly, I think she ran yes or last year, I, she, she sent her Strava or she posted them on Facebook, something like 320 days out of the year. Do the math, folks. There's there's only 365 days. There's very few days she did not run. It's what keeps her soul alive. It's part of her identity. You know, she's a runner. Uh, So everybody would look at her and say that she's super disciplined. Well, she is in that area. We don't know about the other areas of her life. But she says and that discipline often consists of consistently doing one small thing regularly that adds up to something big. Uh, I'm satisfied with my discipline and exercise, keeping house, and some aspects of my work but there are definitely areas I can improve. It'd be an interesting conversation. So here's somebody who, ne- I mean, she gets up and runs at like four and 5am. I see her posts and it comes in there. I- I'm sleeping during that time. Personally, uh, <laughs> mine are in the middle of the day when it's nice and sunny outside, but for her work, that's when she has to do it. So super disciplined in some areas, but I don't know now. And I'm not, and, I, and she would be okay with me. I'm not, I'm not picking on, cause I have no idea. How are her finances? You know, how is her, how are her relationships? I don't know. Those things, but uh, you know, she but she does have an area. Usually, when somebody has a really good, successful area, they think of themselves as more disciplined. Hey, my dad, Dan Miller, he says I enjoy f- the feeling of being in control. I've got a clear plan for diet, exercise, supplements, mindset, fasting, breathing, and cold showers uh, this year. Uh, you know, I grew up with that guy. <laughs> I had him on the Motive Show recently, and I can testify to some areas, at least in his past. Where he was not disciplined, finances, you know, was one of those uh, that he struggled so much throughout his entrepreneurial career. Now today he's doing very well financially, but I think it took some hard, some hard lessons. Brian Lynchard, he says, yes, very uh, good with my discipline, except for grazing after six p.m., eating it after six p.m. Debbie Turner, yes, but part of the discipline is giving myself permission to do something else if it makes sense, so to deviate from her uh, from some of the structured paths, I guess. Uh, Eric Bartley, the apostle Paul said that he had found himself to be content with whatever state he found himself in. In the same passage, he also said he was striving for the goal. That's where I try to live content, satisfied, yet working and striving for continuous uh, improvement. And a lot of people that said that they were overall happy. And I, again, I like hearing that just from the self-image aspect, but let's go back to where you, you talked about this before we even started and we were chit-chatting about the show about motive. Obviously I love that. It's the name of my newest podcast is motive. Everybody go to motive, subscribe to motive. Uh, it's the topic of my upcoming book is the, you know, understanding what we want and why. And when I hear that people who are Think of themselves as not disciplined. You invariably find areas of their life where they are, where they are disciplined. I mean, my, I had a, I had a personal assistant one time and she was a little frustrated with my lack of consistency. Back then it was in blogging and in podcasting when I was first doing that. And she says, Kevin, people need consistency. I need it to help you produce this stuff. She says, do you have routines at least that you don't miss? She says, do you, did you, when's the last time you missed brushing your teeth? Well, never. When's the last time you missed your coffee? Now that's not fair because I love my coffee, but I don't enjoy brushing my teeth. There's a lot of things. You just said, but you know, what are there some things that you do? You, when you had a kid, did you ever go for a day and go, I just didn't get around to changing this diaper? No, you do that. Why? Because there's, there's a consequence. You don't have to technically, but you know, there are some things that you do that you are disciplined. You do have the ability and there's some motive behind it. There's a reason behind it. So when we look at those areas where we aren't, that's the first place I go, Tom. Yeah. Saying, what is the, do you have a reason? And if you're not disciplined, you obviously don't have a strong enough motive. And I mean, I know we're at the foundation of personal development, but I think we often Go awry by not digging in and asking ourselves. It goes to goals. We can list out some goals sometimes, but if we don't get into the why, and this is a lot of what I talk about in the Motive Podcast, if we don't get into the why, then we'll find ourselves frustrated and going, Yeah, why did I fall off the wagon? Why did I do it for this time? I mean, we're at January 8th. How many people have already fallen off their New Year's resolutions? Statistically, it's a truckload. Well, I bet they put that resolution out there. I want to lose this much weight. I want to do X, Y, Z. And they didn't get into, okay, why? And really digging into that. And Tom, I've, I've missed that so often in my life of not getting into the, why, uh, to my own detriment,
1: you know, motive to me is, uh, this is, and I'm just going to talk about the pandemic for a second. Um, I call it the stainless steel handcuffs. And I think the reason that so many people are, I'll call it lackadaisical on discipline is we bought the lie, you know, the marketing that's out there that hits us constantly is how hey, you deserve it. Go ahead. Take a break today. You know, drink that soda. Do you do, you know, get that dessert, uh, buy that toy, and all of these little things start to trap us, right? We, we now are beholden to the job or whatever we've been doing, not because we love and are passionate about that job, but because the momentum is it, one of the things that, that, that I think I read this from Seth Godin, momentum is maybe the most powerful thing in business. And really it's in life. Once the momentum is in the right direction, an average business can do fantastic if the momentum's going right. If, the, if you have no momentum or it's going the wrong direction, a great business with a lot of opportunity and, and a lot of potential struggles. And it's the same with our life. If if the momentum we have is going in the wrong direction, it's extremely difficult to change it. And so we what's happened is is so many people have bought the lie, hey, I need this, I need that. I'm going to get too much house, too much car. I'm going to put these financial burdens on. Hey, I'll say yes to this, I'll say yes to that. And pretty soon all of our time is sucked into things that aren't really taking us closer to our purpose and our passion. And then we look around and we're like, do I like doing this? Well, I think I'm going to change and we look at that anchor that's holding us down. And we can't, or we don't think we can, and we say, "Well, it's just not worth the risk." And I'll hang on a little bit longer, and and so the the workout gets pushed aside, and, yeah. and you know the one-on-one time trip we were going to have with our each of our kids kind of gets pushed to the side. Well, then the pandemic hits, and suddenly. Everything changes. People go home, maybe themselves or their spouse lost a job. The kids are now homeschooling. There's chaos in the background. There's insecurity. We go through a summer of turmoil. <laughs> we just come out of election season just when we thought it couldn't get any more interesting, any more challenging or whatever. You know, the virus has reared its head. We've got all this political turmoil. But here is, is what I'm excited about. Uh, not that I'm happy we went through all this. I, I would, If I could, I'd wish it away. Sure. But there are literally millions of people who are looking at these stainless steel handcuffs and they're taking them off. And, the, and it's a metaphor for, wait a second, I have the key to these handcuffs. Nobody's Nobody's put me in those. I've made choices that have put me in there. And now that all of these things that are vital to me have been threatened, my health, my family relationships, my meaning in life, the purpose, I'm gonna make some new decisions. And I'm seeing all over these people uh, who are making a new choice, a new decision that says, I'm gonna take control of this. And I was on a call uh, last week, or it was earlier this week, and somebody said, hey, I really wanna do this, but I'm just not sure. And I said to her, do it scared. Yeah. Do it scared. Do it afraid. Uh, one of our ZLCers, Danica Treble, says, do it afraid. Do it scared. And, and more and more people are like, you know what? What have I got to lose? I've, I've had family members and friends crushed by the things that are going on. I've had hurt and setbacks in the middle of this. And so what happens our purpose, our resolve, our why, our passion starts to come up. And then that is motive, motivation and Mo and motivation and motive. You know, they all momentum. (laughs) That is a powerful thing. And Mm -hmm. so the idea of you can change your life one simple choice at a time, it's, it's getting clarity on where you want to go, understanding who you have to become to get there identifying your blind spots, getting accountability partners to help you there, and then make one little choice, one little decision to take that step in that direction. And then you do that over and over and over again. Now, one of the things that we worked on is, is you know, a good habit is simply a purpose-producing activity done every day. And so just ask yourself, what are the PPAs? I can do every day. What are the purpose-producing activities? So I just kind of got on a rant uh, there, but I wanted to just do that foundation of we stop sinning, we stop doing the bad, right? That halts the negative momentum. Yeah But in order to get us going in the right direction, it, it's, the payoff's got to be big. Right. It's got to be real. It's got to be significant. And the more clear we can make that payoff by identifying what it is, our passion is, our purpose, our why, the more likely we're going to keep making those small steps. And if we make enough small steps over a long enough period of time, then all of a sudden one of the guys on the board that I'm on, I think he ran 21 years without missing a day. Oh, my goodness. Running into his 80s. So this I love the idea of the streak. Yeah. Uh get a streak and even if you run for around the block and that's it,
0: <laughs> yep. keep the streak. Keep keep the streak and then have grace when if it does get violated, if it does get disturbed. Because, man, when people lose momentum, that's that's such a death knell. I lost momentum. It feels like, well, just, just can it. No, you ran for 14 days just because you had three days off. Man, you can pick it back up and get back up there uh, so, so quickly. You know, just to what you said on motive, and this is, again, I've talked about this at, at length in the motive podcast, but looking at that thing that we think that we want, that goal that we think that we want, and to ask yourself why and dig in will unearth the real motive. And it also may help you realize you don't have enough motive to do it. And it just may not be the right time. Give yourself some peace instead of the frustration of going, I'm gonna put that goal up here again, the same one I put for 10 years. If you have the same goal you've been putting up there for a long time and you've never reached it, I'd say you don't want it. So come clear on the fact that you don't and let that sucker go and quit being upset about it and disappointing yourself or dig in and realize, I don't know, or I don't know why I wanted enough. And let me figure out that issue. It's counterintuitive uh, a bit, but so important. And you said, do it scared. I'd be remiss not to mention Ziegler episode 691. We had Ruth Sukup on the show. That's the title of her book is do it scared. And I'm such a huge fan of that. We've had other people talk about that, that I think, again, we've got a myth, another myth in regards to to overcome something, to do something, to to, to overcome an issue, we have to eradicate it. Anybody who's listened to many of my shows has heard me say that before, but it's just, it's so vital to me to look at because we think we have to overcome it. And Tom, I don't know how many of my, You know, fears, inadequacies, doubts, what are, how many of those have I truly had and eradicated? I don't know. I've never made the effort to to go past it or, or to figure that out because I don't really care to a degree, honestly, admittedly, I don't care. I just want to make sure I get the result. So if I still have the fear and I do it scared, if I still have the lack of discipline in my finances, but I hire somebody to do it and I get the result, I'm okay with that. So I don't have to overcome by eradicating. I can overcome by, I call it managing my dysfunction. Right now, one of my biggest struggles is just project management, just keeping on top and keeping things rolling. I have hired, I'm I'm still hiring. I've hired a team to do that for me. I'm not good at that. I don't want to be good at that. I don't have enough motive to become super project management discipline, but I'm going to hire somebody to do that so i will i have overcome my incapability or i don't have an incapability my lack of motivation for project management and admin maintenance nope but i'm going to hire it and get the results anyways i just am such a fan of that one more thing totally off track you mentioned soda that's another thing that i've i've actually stopped tom totally uh, totally stop soda. It's something that I'll I'll just you know I've mixed it in with my seltzer water, and sometimes I would have a little wine in that as well. But soda and uh, folks, I did a show. Let's see, it was the Motive Show, episode eight, with Kara Golden. She's the founder of Hint Water that you can find in you know stores across the U.S. And I recently in the true life podcast, episode 57, we had a D Arizini. She's the founder of teamy blends. Uh, they've got these tea wellness products. Both of them though, talked about the research of what soda does to you. And basically it gives you this insulin response and it helps you gain weight. And I thought, man, I just, there's nothing good about them. It's chemicals, More chemicals on the diet side, more sugar on the other side, a bunch of chemicals on either side, and they're both giving this response that's helping people, causing people to gain weight. I'm done. So we got this. uh, This is not a promotion because I I have no connection or make no money from this company. Have you ever seen the uh, what's it called? Soda streams. It's called, it's called SodaStream. It's this little stand. You get a bottle. It's got this CO2, not CO2. Oh, bottle. yeah, I've seen that. Yeah, yeah. cartridge in the, in the back. My, my daughter spent some time in France. She said, oh, yeah, a lot of the people over there, that's, they use that for everything. We take tap water. Now, we've got well water from up here in the Rocky Mountains. So we've got pristine tap water. You've tasted it. And uh, <laughs> we put it in that thing and carbonate it up. It's amazing. I put a slice of lime in there, and I, have, I still have the appetite for bubbly. I've elevated my appetite to a healthier bubbly. Uh, So they've got, so there's a side, side tangent on soda. So, so I'm just going to point
1: something out. uh, What, what you just explained, what you've just done in our goal setting system that we teach step number one is you, you write down the goal it is you want to achieve. Step number two is the benefits from reaching that goal, right? This is the, why you want to reach it. Okay. Step number three is list the major obstacles and mountains to climb. Now, why is this important? Because the the obstacles, the challenges, the bad habits, whatever it is you wanna call it, they're coming, right? (laughs) When you wake up in the morning, you didn't sleep well, guess what, it's coming. And so what do you do? You plan in advance how you're gonna handle that. And so as a traveler, and well, back in the day when we all got to travel, Uh, you know, when you get to the hotel at 1130 at night and not really having a chance to get a meal, guess what's going to hit you at the hotel. You're going to be hungry Mm -hmm. and a high carb, high sugar, high fat snack is what they provide. Unless you know that that's likely to happen and you pack something Mm -hmm. that's going to curb the urge, right. And be healthy at the same time. So the soda solution that you've just done is is exactly right. You just flip it. You change a bad decision and turn it into a good
0: decision. <laughs> you know, I, I did this funny, Tom. I did the same thing with coffee. I just today ended a 12-day fast from coffee. Um, I'm just kind of seeing if it bothers my digestion any. And I haven't gone more than a day without coffee since I started drinking coffee, which was a long time ago when I was 18 and I moved to Holland for, to race for a bike team. And you have coffee when you are on the bike team. So I I started there, but I, I did there and tried to do tea. I've never liked tea. Well, so I'm helping myself grow into tea by putting a lot of cream in it. I actually put, it's Christmas time. I'm putting eggnog in it <laughs> and you know, not the best stuff, but if it, it's helping me grow a taste for tea, you know, and I'm going to try to take gear over there. So I'm doing about half and half again, talking, it was in uh, episode uh, 50. I think it was, I said it was 57 of the true life podcast with, uh, Adi Arazini of, of Teamy blends. And she talked about coffee causing a lot of people digestion issues. So she said, you know, if you can cut down some, so I'm trying to, I'm trying to cut down, but I, I do want to hit on one more thing before we end Tom, cause you talked about the challenges. I, I didn't know if I was going to share this and I'll keep the person anonymous though. I think they posted it. Um, I think they posted it on Facebook. You know, it was in a private group though, that I'm in, uh, and, the, it was a, it was actually a private group for Metpro, I, I think it was Tom, um, who who we've been talking about a lot lately. This is what this girl wrote. She says, "While I am not actually hungry, I feel like I want to eat everything in my house." To cope with our democracy burning to the ground in front of our eyes. Any tips to get through the next 12 days without gaining back all my losses. So as we are recording this in January, this is the day you know, after the big you know, political event that happened in Washington, D.C. and you know, storming the White House and, and whatever went on there. That is a challenge. And we have gotten to a point. I'm going hit, to hit in a, a bit on a little soapbox on disciplines. Where when something happens that is seemingly traumatic to us, for whatever reason, we feel the, I I'm going to say the right and the norm to medicate it. And it's a stress response. It's saying, this is something that stressed me. This is how I'm going to respond. And I get it, man. If I've had a hard week or if I've actually, that's not true. If I have had a great week or a hard week, but a busy week, I feel like on the weekends, ah. Oh, I have the right to indulge, right? To the pizza and a movie and, and uh, the ice cream and the whatever and Saturday to, to do something to, to enjoy. And we get these, these feelings of these rights to, uh, it medicates a a hard word, but I'm going to use it because I think we have gotten to where we think we need to do that. So there's a book, and this is what I want to point out. there's a book by Robert uh, Sapolsky, Why Zebras Don't Get Ulcers. And what he talks about in there is our stress response. So imagine a zebra. Okay? Imagine yourself out at a picnic, but I'll come back to that. Imagine a zebra. A Zebras out there on the Serengeti, hanging out with their zebra friends and their family, having some good grass, beautiful day outside, everything's good. All of a sudden, they hear the, the pitter patter, and they look over there, and there's the big lion coming after them. This is life and death. If they don't get out of the way, they are going to die. They're going to get their jugular ripped out and they're going to bleed out over the Serengeti and all animals are going to eat them until there's nothing left. Okay? They take off with everything they've got, all the adrenaline, all the feels, all the chemicals in their body, and they take off. And often they get away. Okay, so we're 10 seconds later, 20 seconds later, and what happens? They look around. I don't know if they take a deep breath, but I'm going to imagine they do. And they go back to eating grass and they go home and they talk to their family. They don't spend the next year, the next 24 hours, the next week saying, oh my gosh, can you believe what happened to me? It just doesn't happen. Now I know that's facetious because they're not humans, but why do we do that? Why do we take that trauma and it overwhelms our lives and we talk about it and we rehash it and we expect it? to alter us going forward and now we need something to help us instead of a good stress response where we go, you know what that happened? I'm going to take a deep breath and there's nothing I can do to negatively dwell on that, to help myself and let it go, whatever. And I know that we can go on a whole show into that, but it is interesting when we look at the disciplines because so often, as you said, so wisely, Tom, the challenge is going to come up every day. There's not a day that's going, I'm not, I'm not going to expect even in all my positivity, and my lack of pessimism, pessimism, I'm not going to expect that I'm going to wake up today and there will be no challenges to the things that I want to be disciplined. I'm going to expect that there will be. And as you said, prepare for them. And if I do that, then my response is in line with the, the, the result that I want. And I can withstand that lion coming after me. And after that event is over, take a deep breath and go about my business without it being wrecked, without thinking I have to Again, I'm going to use that term Medicaid, because I think, especially for Americans, that's gotten to be one where that is the expectation, something traumatic happens, something bad, something disappointing, something negative, And it is, it, we had a bad day because of that. It's a bad day. It's a bad week, bad month, bad year. And I need to cater to myself with some medication because of that, man, that, how many disciplines and goals does that derail? It's uh, it's a big deal.
1: It is. And that's part of the lie I was talking about earlier is we've been sold the lie that it's all about being happy. Yeah. And that happiness is a feeling. Yeah. And I think if we really get really clear, wait a second, happiness is not a feeling. Happiness is the byproduct of pursuing our purpose you know, dad said, it's not the goal we achieve. It's who we become on the road to achieving that goal. Yeah. Right. That's where the growth, the satisfaction, the joy, all those things. And, and, and so, because, uh, you know, I mean, go back to the tobacco ads, right. You know, under stress, you smoke. Yeah. Uh, you know what I mean? It's like, and so that just switched over to food, you know, feeling stress golly, you know, get a ding dong. I mean, life will be good. <laughs> mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. Well, and it, it goes back to the, to the, to the wine. I, I realized long ago that I don't have uh, a, a draw to it. I don't need to feel something for it. To me, it's celebratory, just, it's just as a celebratory thing. And then that was the question of, well, can I not celebrate without it? Well, I don't want to be that guy. Can I not have a good morning and good devotions without my coffee? I'd rather not not have my coffee, but I don't want to be, it was Randy. It was Dr. Randy James, your doc, my doc, my co-host on the true life show. And he's the one that brought that up. Do I want that thing to dictate whether I have a good morning or a good evening or a good afternoon? Do, what, what are the things that I'm reliant upon the the smoke the what's the medication that I must have in order to be okay for this good time, bad time, whatever. My gosh, I want, I want it to just be internal. I really do. Again, I'm, I'm as prone to it as anybody, but I, uh, now well, we're back to motive, man. Good topic. I, we went deeper into this. I that. I'm so grateful for the responses that we get that always lead us down this, but, uh, such a vital foundational topic, Tom. Um, thank you. Thanks for your wisdom and your insight as always. Appreciate you from the
1: greatest podcast host in all the land, <laughs> Kevin Miller.
0: Uh, I never get tired of hearing that, Tom. Thanks. So after hearing this episode, how do you feel about your level of self-discipline? But maybe more important, how can you be arranging your environment so you don't have to rely so much on that self-discipline? That may be more important, the most important issue, actually. Coming up in episode 855 of The Ziegler Show, we are talking about succeeding at business and as a winning strategy, investing in and believing in people instead of control. As we are in a corporate culture that is all about control, who better to school us than Charles Koch who ranks in the top 20 wealthiest people on planet earth. His company, Coke Industries, is one of America's largest private companies with over 130,000 employees. He should know what he's talking about. Till then, thank you as always for letting me walk with you as we inspire our true performance together.